It's Wednesday, January 29th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me in studio, Mr. Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Earnings season is in full swing. We've got McDonald's, we've got Starbucks, we have a longtime CEO, emphasis on long time, reportedly leaving the company that he founded. And we will get to all of those, but we have to start with Apple because Apple's first quarter, which is the holiday quarter, was everything you would want it to be if you're an Apple shareholder. Profits and revenue came in higher than expected. iPhone sales, $56 billion worth of iPhone sales. Yeah, this is the quintessential beat and raise kind of quarter. Uh, which Apple probably needed in terms of a stock uh, evaluation. Uh, it was trading uh, at all-time highs, and now is a new all-time high by a little bit more. So, it fulfilled uh, very high expectations. Um, and the question that you know probably will be bandied around, we'll not spend too much time on this, is, you know, how is the valuation um, justified at this point? Yeah, we, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the stock in a second, but the uh, the iPhone sales, rightfully so, getting the headlines. The what is the other products category? That's the official name that Apple gives it. The other products: Apple Watch, AirPods, Beats headphones. Ten billion dollars worth of sales. Yeah, you can split up the various segments of Apple and get a number of extremely large companies. And <laughs> I was going to say, just, we just spin off the other products, and you'd have. Maybe not a maybe not a top 100 company in terms of market cap, but certainly top 200. Certainly, if you were a Fortune 500 or S and P 500 companies, how many could you get out of Apple? There, that must have work have been done a few times. Um, the the pile of cash is one of them. <laughs> Uh, at, at over 200 billion right now, is uh, one of the more dominant companies uh, in history. Is Apple's pile of trades cash. under the ticker PLCS. Uh, but in terms of the actual business, yeah, they've got the, the various moving parts, wearables, I guess, uh, and and home, and uh, that being the, the fastest growing part today. Uh, and and so expectations for that are, are the highest of the various things. Um, I think that the iPad and Mac uh, sales were a little below expectations, and there would have been a time where that would have been a big problem. Uh, but today is not that time. Uh, iPhone is still the dominant part of the business, and and really got the job done, uh, especially in, in China. So, what about the stock? Well, actually, before we wrap up on the stock, worth mentioning, and this is something we'll return to a couple of times today. Um, Tim Cook did talk about China, and um, I think it most notably showed up in the guidance that they gave for Q2. The range of guidance was wider than they normally give, and that was Tim Cook and his team's nod towards the uncertainty in China, and rightfully so. Yeah, a bit of uncertainty both as to what the purchasing patterns will be there, especially over a quarter. You know, really, if you're looking at Apple over a one-quarter time frame, you're probably missing a lot of story there. But possibly benefiting a little bit from move to do some of the manufacturing outside of China. And really, yeah, this like many other companies is is. Talking has to talk about what the China effect is going to be, and is largely answering with a, you know, over the short term we really don't know. Over the long term, probably not much of a problem. Apple stock has more than doubled over the past year. 
as you said, it's at an all-time high. As strong as this company is, this really doesn't seem like the day to buy shares, if you don't own shares. So, going into today, it had moved up from, um, over the last six months, from about 17 times earnings uh, over the next 12 months to 24 times earnings over the next 12 months. Um, the next 12 months' earnings are you know, always a little harder to uh, weigh than, than the actual trailing 12 months. So, it, they're looking at good earnings in the next 12 months, and things like China might be more of a headwind than, uh, than we know today, uh, and giving a much higher multiple on that positive future uh, than was being done six months ago. So, yeah, the, the risk here is that the stock trades a little bit more like the stock usually trades. And at some point in the future, it, it probably will. Shares of McDonald's up a little bit this morning after a good fourth quarter report. Uh, McDonald's profits were a little higher than expected. The global same store sales were up nearly 6%. Um, uh, another company dealing with um, uncertainty in China in the future, um, in the present, McDonald's closed a few hundred locations, but that's a, a, a tiny fraction of the number of locations McDonald's has around the world. Yeah, there has certainly been a time when McDonald's was uh, looked at uh, negatively for not having done as much expansion into China as, say, Yum Brands, uh, which uh, got bigger there faster uh, and earlier than McDonald's. But uh, today, that doesn't look like uh, as much of a problem. Uh, they have to sort of give the same answer um, today that uh, others are giving. We we don't really know. We're taking care of our employees, and and you know we don't know. I think that for McDonald's, it's it's more temporary. Sorry, a more permanent hit to actual cash in the bank. In that, if you don't eat at a McDonald's, you're not going to eat more there later. Right. Um, hopefully, uh, whereas if you don't go out and buy your iPhone today, and you really want to, you're you're going to buy it, and uh, you know, in a month or two or something like that. So, uh, I think that the you know the phones will eventually be. Built and manufactured and sold, and McDonald's. This is a you know when when they're closed for business, uh, they don't they don't make that up later. So that said, uh, is another good quarter. I think they have highlighted that uh, U.S. sales are, are uh, and traffic is what they're most focused on, and uh, I think that uh, is going well. The U.S. guest count, getting U.S. guest count to positive is our number one priority. New CEO said uh, in in the call, and you know they're they're getting people in. They are, although I get why it's a priority. You know, even though we see the positive comps and they're able to, you know, boost that ticket uh, for 2019, they did they did see a slight decline in traffic. Um, you mentioned the new CEO. I think that's also worth highlighting for McDonald's. I mean, this is a quarter. Uh, we're, we're referring to him as the new CEO. Well, Steve, uh, I'm sorry. Because his name is harder to pronounce than Smith. <laughs> um, I'm going to let you take a crack at it. You'll probably get it right, but I'm not 100% sure that I'll pronounce it perfectly because it is not Smith, which is, I think, the only name I can confidently get right all the time. Chris Kemchinski is the new CEO. And I think you're right. Uh, yeah, I, I wrote it down phonetically. <laughs> um, uh, but worth pointing out that you know they put up these numbers. This is a huge company, and they put up these numbers when, in the middle of the quarter, Steve Easterbrook, who had been, from a business standpoint, a successful CEO, and certainly from a stock standpoint, and he left 
suddenly and immediately. And uh, credit to Kemchinsky and his lieutenants for um, having no time to ramp up as CEO and pulling off this type of quarter. And we'll see if he can um, handle it just as smoothly for the next couple of quarters. Yeah, there. So, and there is a tendency to give probably, in my estimation, too much credit to a CEO, uh, both positively and negatively at times. Um, and we'll see whether uh, McDonald's, uh, as an operation, owes as much to Easterbrook as would have been thought the case. You know, this time last year, he certainly did a great job, and, and they're in a good position. Uh, right now, what they're looking at is more competition uh, from uh, places on breakfast, which McDonald's got to early, uh, while giving more competition to uh, the chicken sandwich phenomenon uh, that uh, Popeyes got to earlier than uh, than McDonald's. So they're rolling out a couple of new chicken sandwiches, and they are, I think, expecting uh, more competition from Wendy's in the breakfast category. So you know, a little bit. Getting in uh, to some competitions, uh, you know, on both sides, good and bad. From a headline standpoint, Starbucks' first quarter report kind of similar to McDonald's in the sense that profits came in higher than expected. They put up global same store sales growth of five percent. That was, I think, about a half percent higher than was expected, and yet shares of Starbucks down a couple percentage points, uh, and. I, Maybe they're being more aggressive with their guidance with respect to China, but if they are, it's probably because they need to be. Yeah, I think this is we're three for three now on getting to China being a big part of today's stories, and it is their fastest growing and I think second largest market, and is a major, major, major contributor to the top and bottom line. Again, when they're shutting down stores, which they're doing. Uh, closing, uh, they are losing that money, that cash flow, and they're not going to make it back. Despite our recommendation that if you have missed some coffee, go ahead and drink more the next day right. to make sure that you're you're getting all the health benefits that you can. I mean, this is this is not to make light of the situation, but uh, one thing that in listening to the conference call. I I felt like a little bit. The, I thought the CEO did a very good job of just going on again and again and again about the partners um, being the what other places call employees. Uh, Starbucks calls partners, and that the Starbucks' success was all attributable to the partners and the special relationships and all. And and I'm going through as you have and will again the college experience and my. Feeling going to every single college uh, and hearing their spiel is what makes that place special is the people, right? And uh, and I, I got a little bit of that vibe listening to the conference call, which you don't typically get. Uh, there are many CEOs that uh, talk about their their great employees, but uh, I think Starbucks uh, is definitely a leader in that category. I agree with that, but I referenced this the other day that I think that how companies Doing business in China provide guidance in their earnings report this quarter is something that bears watching more closely than usual. And as a Starbucks shareholder, I was happy with the guidance that they gave. The clarity. Um, uh, you mentioned Kevin Johnson, the CEO. I'll also mention uh, Pat Griesmer, who's the the CFO. Um, just being very 
clear with analysts about China, about closings, and basically saying, you know, to the point that Kamchinsky made with McDonald's, look, we're going to update our guidance for the current quarter and the fiscal year as soon as we possibly can. And, um, you know, they're also dealing in an environment where the state government of China may not necessarily be giving them all the information they want. That is a very real possibility, and I think that that's, um, I think that's to be respected. Yeah, that would be consistent with, I think, every bit of information that probably comes from the, the Chinese government. But uh, I think that, uh, on the whole, so they had a great quarter, and they, in terms of their guidance, they didn't change their previous guidance. And on the conference call, uh, pointed out, we would have been raising the guidance. If, if not for China, we would have been raising. There was a question like, how much? And say, I'm not going to answer that. You know, but I'll just say that we need, we're, we're able to maintain our guidance because of the good start the first quarter and how well things are going outside of China. And we still think we'll hit that guidance, and it would have been, you know, possible to raise it, but it's not possible to raise it today. So I think that that is sort of putting a cap on what the the ceiling uh, for this year is likely to be, but it's a pretty strong floor. It is, and I think if Starbucks is a stock you don't own and it's on your watch list, you are probably hoping that this coronavirus thing goes on for another few weeks. You're looking at you're, you're a bad person, then, aren't you? You're what kind of awful people are you describing here? I'm not saying I want the death count to rise, and I'm not saying that people who have sounded like that. I'm saying you just, you just you're want... saying other people think that way. I'm saying you want the uncertainty out there a little bit longer. You want a cure sooner rather than later, but just the uncertainty, because as the old adage goes, the market hates uncertainty. You. You, if you like Starbucks at this price, you'll like it even more if it's four dollars cheaper a share. Um, and you know, Kevin Johnson, the CEO, he was on CNBC this morning, and one of the things he said, and I hope he's right about this, was he pointed out, like, look, twelve months from now, this is the this is the comp we get to work against. Like, this is the same store sales report that we're going to be comping against a year from now. And he's right about that. Yeah. I mean, the long term, uh, obviously, doesn't really change much. And, and it's just in a glorious business of serving something that is uh, legal and addictive and beyond that. And we joke about this, but but there is a lot of science that has been studied as something which is consumed as much as it is, I believe the second most consumed beverage behind water in in the world. Uh, it is uh, important that it be uh, assessed as to whether it's healthy or not. And there are a lot of studies which we talk about uh, because we like to see that given our respective amounts of coffee consumption and. You know the 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 large weight is to, to their benefit, and that is a nice thing to have. L Brands is the parent company of Victoria's Secret and Bath and Body Works, and shares are up 13 percent this morning on reports that Leslie Wexner, the founder and CEO, is in talks to step down. Mr. Wexner has been the CEO of L Brands for the past 57 years. He is 82 years old. And I think this speaks to the belief, certainly among some investors out there, and maybe private equity is part of this, um, that 
they look at Victoria's Secret and Bath and Body Works as brands that have some staying power, and if someone other than Mr. Wexner is running the company, then that's the value to be unlocked. So, uh, I have discussed uh, that if I were to be accorded one superpower, it would be the ability to leave at the right time. That that's I think you could you could do a lot with that, and that is not a superpower which he has because this is a stock which was trading at a hundred. Uh, in uh, 2015, it's going for 23 after going you know, up 12 percent today. So his superpower is longevity, uh, not not strictly. You know, other people have lived uh, longer than he has, uh, although he's off to a good start. And uh, 57 years in the CEO is that's rare company. Incredibly rare company. Also, he's a billionaire, so let's not bemoan any losses he may have taken over the he's last. He's probably thought about it, <laughs> probably a little bit. You know what? But no, he's he's, he's alert, lived and worked a whole life, and and let's not just look at the the last couple chapters from a stock perspective, uh, which you know I was what? setting up. He's in the Trace Commerce Club. He's fine. Yeah, yeah, uh, and. So, you know, up 12% on the news. This is something that isn't entirely uh, unexpected. I say that because I was reading a Deutsche Bank report today from about three weeks ago, which was speculating that now, this was three weeks ago, was the time to buy following as disastrous a quarter as L Brands had just reported, because this was highly likely to lead to. You know, increased movement in terms of uh, his departure or some sort of breakup. And, you know, right now, uh, Victoria's Secret is expected to lose money this year, which is remarkable. Uh, It's um, Bath and Body Works, which is producing what little profits there are now. Um, And Victoria's Secret has just not. Gotten the trends right at all uh, for you know a while now, and that has led to eighty uh, percent of the stock uh, price uh, you know being taken away. And again, there's brand equity there. Um, they're still sort of a leader in their category. I was talking uh, a bit with Abby Mallon this morning. Um, you know, she follows the retail industry pretty closely, and. Um, when I asked her, you know, what do you think of this pop? She said, "Yeah, this this makes perfect sense. <laughs> Someone in there, more dynamic, um, uh, with more creative ideas, uh, particularly with respect to Victoria's Secret. Yeah, that's absolutely um, why this is happening." Uh, yes, I mean they are behind on a number uh, of issues, and if we get into talking about the the specifics, I'm sure we'll trip over the wrong thing. But I was. Interested that um, you know, for instance, in the last quarter, uh, there were declines in casual sleepwear, uh, but there was growth in sexy sleep. And I didn't really know that that was an industry category. But look, Apple has their other products, you know, category. Victoria's Secret makes sense that they would break out into different categories as well. Do you? You got your sexy sleep and your casual sleep, exactly. and uh, so it's it's definitely not doing very well there. Uh, Bath and Body Works still still they had a good Christmas season, perhaps perhaps in part because of the unicorn sprinkles candles. So you sent this to me right before we started recording, and uh, the profit margins, as we've discussed in the past, uh, 
the profit margins on those $25 three wick candles have got to be pretty amazing. And at that at this point, I think anything's fair game. Once you've made some success with it, as you said, Bath and Body Works is getting it done for the parent company. So if you're in the candle division, yeah, you can pretty much throw whatever you want out there. Sweater weather? Sure, absolutely. We've mocked the candle uh, names in the past, and I think we're about to again. But I, I went to the page, and the first page of candles, and they've got hundreds of different uh, scents, uh, all sort of made sense. Like I could, I could say, "Oh, that's a smell I think I recognize," rather than the sweater weather and you know. Expensive romantic dinner or whatever, but uh, unicorn sprinkles. I I don't know where to begin on what that might smell like. I'm assuming like Sex Panther cologne. It has bits of real unicorn in it. Uh, the fragrance, and now I've looked it up. Fluffy cotton candy, uh, as opposed to your more hard cotton candy, I guess. Rainbow candy drops and sugared lemon with essential oils. So it smells like sugar. Which is what unicorns smell like. Apparently, so they nailed it. <laughs> well done, Bath and Body Works. Well done, uh, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fool. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.